there is a little bit of light this time of year. If you are open to maybe trying one of these things, mm -hmm. even if it's door dashing cookie dough and making chocolate chip cookies and, and you haven't done that in a while and you haven't dipped a chocolate chip cookie in a glass of milk, just try that. Mm -hmm. That's right. It, it just, it can just be, it's about being open to just maybe one small thing that you're going to try. And maybe that openness is to what Coach Steph just said, which is ditch the guilt and regret. <laughs> maybe you just start with, I'm going to focus on trying my best to release and let go. And every time that regret or guilt comes up for me, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to surrender it. Hey, family. I'm Coach Steph. And I'm Dr. Angela. We are the Grief Sisters. Together, we lost four family members in a seven-week time period. We know suffering. You may feel lonely, but you're not alone. Let's jump in. Hey, family. It's Dr. Angela, and I'm here today with my co-host and my sister, Coach Steph. Hey, family. We are super excited to dive into this episode today because it's so important to us. Not because it's a really easy topic to talk about. It's not easy, but we're just excited because it's important, right? I, I so agree. And, you know, we've had many friends and acquaintances and clients that we've run across and students that we know that asked us to hold a podcast on the subject of grief during the holidays. I think that we should also say that maybe this isn't just about holiday grief, but maybe about anniversary grief. And so today we really want to bring light to the subject of what we call empty chair grief. And so Dr. Ange, can you explain more about what we mean by that? Of course. Empty chair grief can come during the time leading up to a holiday or anniversary, on the actual holiday or anniversary, or even during an entire holiday season. This is the grief that comes from knowing that there will be an empty chair in your space that is no longer filled. And so you might be feeling this if you've experienced the death of a loved one or a beloved pet. You might feel empty chair grief if you have had a divorce or a breakup, perhaps you're going to experience empty chair grief or you're experiencing it now if you have someone who cannot join uh, a holiday with you due to a strained relationship, maybe not even between you two, but between other people in your family, but also it might just be the strained relationship that the two of you have, or maybe someone can't come home that you love for the holidays because they're in the hospital or they have a chronic illness or they're struggling financially, or they need to work on a holiday. Perhaps they're in the military, or they just live far away. And so you are unable to come together. And just the fact that you all can't be together really gives you the sense like there's going to be this empty chair at our table on this holiday. And you feel that for the days before and on the day of, and sometimes even afterwards. So it's empty space, but you feel the heaviness of it. Yeah, this might be your very first holiday or very mm -hmm. first anniversary with an empty chair. We especially hope 
that you understand and know that we're holding space with you and that if you na are navigating this the very, very first time, we know that it's hard. We've been there mm -hmm. and we've been doing this empty chair business for, you know, six years now almost. And for some people, they like to actually have an empty chair, you know, holding space in at a, at a dinner or something like that. But that's not necessarily what we mean. Uh, just like Dr. Angela said, you know, that empty chair feeling is just can even be that empty space that we're kind of feeling in our hearts this time of year. Yes. Yes. And it, it's especially heightened this time of year. And, you know, for me, it actually starts on Halloween as many of you all know, and, and of course, Dr. Angela knows that I lost my son in 2017. And when the when Halloween comes around, he was 22 when he passed away of a sudden heart attack. But when Halloween comes around, I see these little kiddos running around and they might be in a Spider-Man costume, which he loved. And, and it reminds me of him running around at that time. And so those are, those are really sweet memories, but a bittersweet day for sure. Mm -hmm. Dr. Angela, what does the empty chair grief look like for you? Mm. This is a hard question because for me, it's been so complex. Like I've actually felt, and maybe other people will feel this way too. I've actually experienced this on all different kinds of holidays and anniversaries in very different ways over the last six years. So for me, it has meant the first Christmas after losing three family members in rapid succession. And if this is your first podcast with us, episode, you know, with us, we hope that you'll listen to our first episode where we talk about how we got our name, the Grief Sisters, how we're sisters in life, but also sisters in grief. And if you want to know more about our own story and why we started this podcast, you can hear more about that on, on episode one. So that first Christmas after losing three family members in rapid succession, it was that the empty chair was going to, was like threefold. <laughs> it was a lot of empty chairs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, there was all the, like, because our family had been so deeply impacted, there were other empty chairs of just like people who couldn't come together. And we just, we were all grieving in our own way. And so there's just like so much empty space that it was like unbearable for me. And I just, I flew to an Island and got away from everything because I couldn't even imagine. I, I just, I don't know. I couldn't face it that first, that first Christmas season and new year's Eve. And then a couple of years later, as I started to live into the idea and accept the reality that three chairs were missing, then like my memo died and she was the matriarch of, my mom's side of the family and she was the queen of Christmas, literally like the queen of Christmas in our family. So this is not the grandma that, that's, that coach Steph and I share because we're half sisters also on that first episode, you hear more about that, but we have a little bit of a complicated sister <laughs> history, yeah. yeah. but you know, and so like when, when the person who has been the glue to your family, as, like in the glue to a particular holiday like passes away. Mm. Oh man, it just rocks your whole world. So uh, here we are still several years later after my memo's passing and my whole extended family, like really trying to figure out Christmas still and Christmas Eve because she was the queen. So then she, she just bought everything and she made everything and she hosted everything. And 
and brought us all together. So I really feel that empty chair very, very deeply. And, and then I will say a couple more things, which is just that throughout the years, I have felt the empty chair of all of these people on different, you know, on their birthdays, on the day of their death. I have felt it at times when I thought of them deeply on my own birthday. Right, um, right. You know, I was going to say that. Right? So yeah. I was gonna, yeah, maybe you, you, you probably like, how did you just had a birthday? I mean, do you want to talk about, about like what your birthday has been like for the last six years? Yeah, I have a birthday in November and then yours is quickly after that in December. And, and these empty chair feelings, it, it isn't just the holidays or just the anniversary of their passing or the anniversary of a, of maybe a divorce or whatever. It, it's our own birthdays. And, and that's what is particularly big for me. And I'm sure for you as well, because we, we also lost our dad right at the same time that, that I lost Mason, your nephew, my son, and dad used to call me every birthday, just about up until the end when he, you know, when he was going through his really tough times, but also Mason would call me, he had moved away for three years almost. And he was good about calling on birthdays. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. even on a day when it should be more of a happy day, um, all of those anniversaries and all of those important dates, I think, especially like you say, your mama, you know, when you have someone who was really good about sending you a birthday card or a Christmas card, or really good about dropping off something at your doorstep. Yeah. Um, Maybe you've lost a spouse and, and it's your anniversary wedding anniversary or something like that these these empty chair feelings and and it's the you know we we just finished in our in our book club a a book called the grieving brain and how we've built in our brain these habits with these people Mm -hmm. and so often these habits I think are connected to holidays and anniversaries and these expectations that we've had for years and years or these habits that we've tended to have really are no longer there. And then whether it's a person that maybe is away and can't come home and we were used to seeing them at the dinner table or used to seeing them call us all the time and now they're overseas because they're in the military or these things can slap you in the face. That's for sure. Oh my goodness. Right. I mean, it's just, yes, because they are patterned into our minds, they're patterned into these days. And so it's very like my, my mama also, I don't know if you remember, but she had, her birthday was right before mine. And so whenever I called her to wish her happy birthday, she wished me happy birthday back. Right. And even right now, like I can, it's my birthday is coming in a few days. Like I feel that, like I feel that, that deeply, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so yes, this empty chair feeling, it can be a literal empty chair that you have in the space. And we'll talk more about whether you want to actually have an empty chair, you know, one that you just kind of like, or it could just be that you are looking at a table and you're thinking about how that person would have normally been there. And for whatever reason that they're not, or that beautiful beloved pet that you had would have been laying on the ground or in the cage right nearby, right? This thing, this, so anytime we've had companions throughout our life that share space with us they take up space in our hearts, Mm -hmm. in our space, in our rooms, like that we, you know, that we're in and in our traditions. And when they are not there for whatever reason, we feel it deeply. And that's what we're talking about today. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I I think it's really important to mention 
that all of these feelings that we have, they come and go in waves. And that just because we have these memories and our longings, that we can try to make new memories as we honor them and as we miss them to kind of fill the space a little bit. And so whether you're physically filling that space up or whether you're trying to create new memories and and things like that that we'll talk about in a little while, for me, I've really chosen, or maybe it chose me, maybe this, this new habit has chosen me <laughs> to honor Mason with Christmas ornaments. I mentioned the other day also in our book club that people started giving me Mason jars or, or, or Christmas ornaments in the form of mason jars. And I found the other day, I took my mom to Cracker Barrel and they have awesome little Christmas ornaments. I found these really cool Christmas ornaments shaped like butterflies and that now they're on my tree. And what I love about that is that it was really, really hard for me to decorate a Christmas tree the year after we lost, Mm -hmm. you know, so many family members. And it was all I could do really to put it up and put a few lights on it and call it a day. But Mm -hmm. now I actually look forward to, for the first time really this year, I really, really truly looked forward to putting my tree up because I have these ornaments now. Because of course, the previous ornaments that we had there, they have so many memories attached. You probably mm-hmm. just about every single one Mason had touched in one way, shape, or form, helping me decorate a tree. Mm-hmm. And lastly, like we serve, you know, drinks during the holidays in Mason jars. And and I guess actually, oh, I actually love serve them. we serve them all year now because now all I do is drink out of Mason jars. And <laughs> yeah. I even tell my daughter who is Mason's little sister, like, I'm really, really sorry, but someday when you're having to inherit all my things, you're going to be inheriting a lot of Mason (laughs) And I'll apologize in advance for that. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. You know, Steph, it's so incredible because right now what I'm hearing is joy in your voice. Whether you, you know, realize it or not, but you sound genuinely like excited and happy about your tree that's up. And for the last few years, it's been really hard for that to be. One of the questions that we received in our Facebook book club and support group, and by the way, anyone who's listening, you can be a part of our Facebook book club and support group. It's called The Grief Sisters, just like our podcast. And one of our group members said the other day, that it's really difficult to give yourself permission to be happy during the holidays. And they actually just said like, or around, how can I give myself permission to be happy around the holidays? And this is actually a question that I have addressed a lot with people who are experiencing grief. And I think it's amazing and a really important question. And so one of the things that's helped me and helped a lot of other people that I've talked to is this idea that joy can live in very close proximity to sorrow. We've got a whole episode that comes right after this one that's dedicated to this idea of joy. What is it? How do we become more open to joy? Why can joy be is possible in the midst of suffering? But I'll say right now that joy can live in close proximity to sorrow. It can share, it can breathe the same pungent air. Mm-hmm. Yes. And And that's because joy is made and sustained by those things that always remain. Meaning, beauty, truth, goodness, 
our connection to each other and to God. And so when we express joy, when we give ourselves over to joy, we are giving ourselves over to these, the things that are the very fabric of like what make life what it is, like what makes life worth living, meaning, truth, beauty, goodness, our connection to each other and to God. And so to give yourself over to joy is not to betray your grief. It is simply recognizing that even though I am experiencing grief, even though I am a grieving person, even though very bad things have happened or I am suffering, also, and I recognize there is still goodness to be found. There are still beautiful things in the world, even in my living room on this tree. You know, mm -hmm. there is still meaning. There is still truth to be found. And I am still connected to other people and to God. Mm -hmm. And I can rejoice over that. And I can hold both of those things at the same time. I, I just love that you say that. And, and it's just worth repeating. And I use this phrase a lot with people now. I don't say it exactly the way that you do, but you are not betraying your grief or that person you miss by having or seeking joy. And yeah. so often I think that we do feel like we are betraying that person or that memory or I, what comes to mind, especially, you know, if someone loses a spouse and they eventually seek love again, um, mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that new love is not betraying the love you had for the other person. Right. And that might be, and that you might not have lost even that other person to death. You might right. have lost the other person and, and you didn't want to get divorced. Like, you know, so maybe you lost that other person in divorce and th that wasn't what you really wanted in your life. And so you feel even like grief or like over the idea or like you're betraying your love for that person, even over the idea of accepting, of loving someone else. Like, so there's lots of different circumstances where that can, th that can come in. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I, it brings to mind the, the next question, because I think a lot of people wonder or need ideas on how to honor those people that we lose. And so not only, you know, by seeking maybe some love in a different way. Um, how do you honor those people that we lost, like Mason and dad and your your mama? And what other suggestions for honoring loved ones do you have for the listeners out there, Ange? Yeah. I think that what this brings up is also this idea that joy is not naive. Joy does we like the reason why we don't betray our grief by allowing joy in is because joy has grit and it's not naive. Mm -hmm. You know, it knows the truth. And so for me to actually express joy over something, for example, one of my things that I do to honor our people is to eat things that they loved. Right. <laughs> That's something that we've done for Mason's birthday. Also, on other occasions, I think we've done it on the day that he passed away as well, or around that day, you know, where we, we've come together and we've eaten food that we know he loved on Zoom together. We've also, I've done the same thing for dad, like on different days when I have missed him. I have, I mean, little Debbie snacks are not like my number one choice <laughs> of dessert. <laughs> but for some reason, our dad and like no, no 
no knock to those out there. If you love little Debbie snacks, our dad did too. I have, as I've gotten older, my taste buds have changed a bit. <laughs> and I prefer other sorts of sweets. But our dad was just this, I mean, little Debbie, if you're out there hearing us, <laughs> he was a fan. He yeah. was a huge fan. And he lived off the things. And yeah. so whenever I eat a little Debbie snack, I think of him. You know, and sometimes I've just gone to a store and gotten a snack that he would have loved, pinwheels or an oatmeal cream pie or a nutty bar, like yeah. just because I wanted to think of him and I wanted to eat and delight over, you know. And so it's like I can have joy over the foods that the people, our people have loved. And that's a recognition of how much I love them and a form of grief. You know, they can go together. They go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another thing that I've done is traditions in their honor. So you create a tradition or you, you keep going with a tradition that you've had in the past and you do it in their honor on behalf of them, which has meant for me talking openly about this person like this is for them. This is in their honor. Even a few weeks ago, then one of my former colleagues passed away a few weeks ago. Phil Love, he was the managing director of the Yale Center for Faith and Culture when I worked there. Extraordinary human being. He lived into his namesake so beautifully. He was a man of boundless love for other people. And the week that he died, I dedicated a lecture that I was giving on joy to him. Mm. And so it's like we can do things very intentionally in front of other people or with ourselves that are like, I'm doing this for you mm. as an honor to you in honor of my love for you. And on the other hand, I've done things like some of the things that I've done to get through holidays are to honor myself too and my own grief process. And so when I have, I got really overwhelmed. I remember at, at a Thanksgiving dinner a number of years ago, just completely overwhelmed with sadness. And I was like, I'm going to go take a walk. And I kind of informed everyone and I got into my car and I drove to a park and I walked around the park for a couple of miles in the snow and cold and just cried it out. Yeah. And I've taken naps. I remember one Christmas after my divorce, just I had very little to offer anyone. An incredible amount of empty chair grief. And... I went upstairs and just took naps whenever I needed to, because that's what I needed to do to be able to make it through that couple of days, you know? Yeah. And then also for me, and like, this is for all the listeners, I really encourage you to find a compassionate witness for your feelings and your pain when you are feeling something deeply. And so try to have someone that you can text or voice text or call or FaceTime, or Zoom, or any of the above, right? Or, and that you can just say, hey, could we, could I text you or call you for a few minutes if I'm struggling during this holiday? And put someone on alert, like, hey, could you be here for me? Mm -hmm. And then all you do is just say, like, I just need a witness. I am, you know, it could be a two-minute voice text, like, this is what I'm feeling right now, and I just needed a witness. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Yeah. And then finally, for me, like boundaries have been really, really important on how long that I'm able to be with people and what I can and like don't want to do. And just being really clear, like 
boundaries are, as both Brene Brown has said, and also Melissa Urban in her new book, Boundaries, both of them have said, like, boundaries are, are good boundaries are clear and kind. Mm. So I, I just encourage you, if you're, if there's a holiday coming up, an anniversary coming up, and you know that people are going to expect certain things of you, reach out to them, again, in writing, in an email, whatever you feel most comfortable doing, or in a voice text or on a phone call, whatever makes sense for you and say, these are the things that I really want to do on this holiday or this anniversary. This is what I'm willing to do. And this is what I can't do. And this is how long I can do these things. Mm -hmm. And then just hold that boundary and honor yourself. I mean, all of that is, is so great. And I especially loved your recommendation about, you know, dedicating something that you're doing to that person or dedicating something that you're doing to a feeling. Oftentimes that comes to mind like a yoga class. You kind of set an intention at the beginning of class mm, and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a yoga class. Maybe it's a workout. Maybe it's a walk. Maybe you are reading a book about grief or reading a book about, you know, crawdads, whatever you're reading a book about, <laughs> dedicate it to that person. And, and really, you're just dedicating a certain amount of time to doing something that is helping you maybe create a new habit. Mm -hmm. I wish that I had heard that before. Like, I kind of did it when I decorated my tree, maybe inadvertently with mason jars and butterflies. I dedicated that time to him. I even thought about next year, I'm going to have my a very separate tree. That's just a mason. I'm going to have so many yeah. mason jars and butterflies. I'm going to, it's going to need its own tree. Yeah. And I, I love too that I can laugh and giggle a little bit about these. And I think it's because I'm so happy that I've found something to fill in that void a little bit and honor him mm -hmm. uh, or honor our loved ones in a way that, that feels like you said, both, both joyful and, and bittersweet at the very, very same time. And to cry those tears that are equally filled with the salt of joy and, and salt of sadness and missing them. Yes. And yeah, I, I loved when you were saying, you know, cause dedicate this time to fear too. Like, I mean, you could say, I'm going to go on a bike ride on a stability bike or on an, a road bike, and I'm going to dedicate this ride to anger. And I'm just like going to feel my anger that I feel at how frustrated I am that I don't have this person or that I'm having, I have this empty space on this day. And I'm just going to feel this as I ride this bike or play this video game or whatever it is. It's yeah. like you can do things in honor of people, in honor of feelings. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it can be super, super helpful. And then the other thing that came to mind was I was just imagining you decorating that tree next year that you make just for him and just having a conversation with him as you do it. Like, can you, can you believe, son, like how many of these stinking jars that I have collected on your behalf? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there was an episode of Modern Love. Have you ever seen Modern, Modern Love? No, no. Okay. The New York Times has this column called Modern Love. And then they've made this, these TV series that are based on the stories that are submitted to Modern Love. And it's so, they're fascinating. And one of the episodes this latest season, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the latest season, but <laughs> is this woman who 
she's married to someone new, but in her first marriage, her her husband passed away. And she still has the car that he loved and she still drives it. Mm. And and so you don't you only find this out like you know, into like halfway through the episode that it was like his car. Cause you're like, why are you trying to keep this old car alive? Uh, and then on particular days, whenever she really misses him, she goes on a drive in this car and she imagines that he's sitting with her in the car and they ha- and she has conversations with them. Oh, goodness. Wow. Right. And the most beautiful thing, Steph, about this episode, and this is literally true. I looked up the, the column is that she goes one day, she tell, oh, then she has to, she sells the car. And then she's weeping about it and she's really upset. And she tells her second husband, she's like, I did it. I sold the car. I know it was costing us too much money to keep it up and blah, blah, blah. And then he realizes, like, you're so upset about this. Like, let's talk. And as they talk, she opens up and she's like, I know this is so crazy, but I used to go talk with him in the car. Mm. And she tells him she's vulnerable, right? This is what I was doing. And it's not because I don't love you. It's just that I miss, I loved him too, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And he says, he says to her, like, there is enough love in the world for you to love me and him. And I'm so grateful. Yeah. He says he's so grateful that he got to meet her and just that there's enough love. And he goes and buys the car. Oh my gosh. I knew you were going to say that. I know. It's so beautiful. It's so great. And so it's like, if you're out there listening and, there's something that you have of this person and you want to have conversations, but then do it, mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. They, they, I really believe that our loved ones, they can hear, hear us and feel us. We can hear them and feel them like in our spirits, someone's audible for people, you know? And it's like there, you can do that, that as a part of your holiday season, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Now I'm going to have to watch that show. Even though I know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I know but it's so beautiful anyway yeah yeah well Angela you've spent numerous days speaking on military bases in this country outside of this country and with lots and lots of military personnel about grief joy suicide loneliness and so many other really difficult topics have you discovered ways that families cope with an empty chair around the holiday season when they can't be with a loved one, whether it's military reasons or or otherwise? Yes, this work has been uh, one of the greatest and the most surprising joys of my life. Definitely surprised by joy over the last couple of years, just getting to be with military personnel and, and like be invited into their way of life and into their stories and specifically into their grief. So it's been an honor to work with the U.S. Army, specifically that branch of the military, and specifically with chaplains and religious affairs specialists, because they are the people who really hold space with other people's grief. And so one of the things that I think people do, and and my family has actually done it, and so I'll, I'll share a story about this, but it's that people do traditions. They would they put someone on Zoom or FaceTime or call them. And while they're doing a tradition of the holiday, or even for a couple of hours, depending on what kind of connection you have and where they are in the world, they'll actually like participate, engage in a tradition while everybody, like while the, the person is on the phone, like with everybody, as if they're like in the same space as them. 
And so this was something that at my mom's house growing up, we always sang the 12 days of Christmas. And you all, I, this is, it's ridiculous because, you know, there are some families that like sing really well, right? You have those people and like some families that like everyone harmonizes. That's not my mom's side of the family stuff. Like, I don't know. It's like, like, like no one can sing on my, like, love you all if you're listening, but you all know it's true. We can't really hold a tune. So what we do is everyone, we put on pieces of paper, the 12 days of Christmas, and we double up on certain days for the amount of people that are in the space. And then you have to draw out of a cup your day and everyone sings their day of Christmas. Oh my goodness. And yeah. And so we do the 12 days of Christmas, right? And we, we count it down. And so if you're a partridge in a pear tree, like no one wants to be number one because that means you have to sing the most times. Yeah. Oh, okay. and, and, and we like make people, and we often like make people sing like alone. You know, and so especially if you're like new to the family, we like will not partner you with somebody else. Like you have to sing on your own because we want to hear you. It's just it's so funny. Well, my uncle Dean has served in the military for numerous years throughout his entire life. He's in the National Guard now. He's still in the reserves, Army Reserves, you know, doing stuff. And he he was gone. He was deployed in Iraq. And he always seemed for a number of years to get number five, which was on that day of Christmas, like you had this booming, like on this day of Christmas, you know, like five golden rings. And he would always do, he would generally like stand up and open his arms and like belt it out like really loud. And it was amazing. And so we were, we all, we called, he called in from Iraq. Uh, then we knew he was going to call at some point. We just had memo. He called her landline. And we we put him on the voice part of her landline so that we could all hear him on the speakerphone. That's, yeah. what, it, that's yeah. what it was called. I'm like, what was it called? <laughs> and we put him on the speakerphone and everyone was sitting in a big circle in memo and Pepal's living room. And one of the people, whoever was like doing the numbers that year, got a little teary-eyed and said, as it turns out, Dean, like you drew number five. Mm. And we all sang the 12 days of Christmas and he did the fifth day as he had done in the years before. Wow. And all of us, we, we laughed, we cried. And it was just like this beautiful time of like holding space with someone across the world that couldn't be with us in person. And, you know, and so we got creative. That's what we did. And so if you're listening, I hope that's what I hear from military families. Like get creative, try to find ways that you can stay connected on that holiday across the miles. And another thing that has happened is like people have been sent care packages with stuff. Like our, our family is we're big fans of Grippos on Christmas. And so when somebody can't be with us, we will send them a box of Grippos, okay. potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> So stuff like that, you can get creative and and try to help someone have a sense of being with you from across the miles. That's such a great story. I think that that finding a way to just continue on those little tiny habits that we're used to, I think is is a really cool way. And then and then also as we remember to create those new habits at the same time so that you can start filling those spaces in with with something new and that brings to mind you know you were saying that your your mama was really the matriarch who who kept all things going at christmas that now you're discovering and having to discover new things to do to keep some of her traditions alive and also create new ones 
Hey family, this is Coach Steph, and we want you to know that we appreciate you. If you wouldn't mind, and especially if you found our podcast helpful, please follow, rate, and or officially subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to us. This helps us grow and gets the word out to more listeners who really and truly need us. You can also consider supporting us even further by pressing the support button in our Anchor podcast link found in the show notes. Even $1 a month is helpful for us to continue to bring amazing guests and content to your ears. Thank you so much for listening. For, for us at this, this Thanksgiving, my birthday was the day before Thanksgiving, but on Thanksgiving, my grandmother is still alive. My step-grandfather passed away also in, in that really dark 2017 time. But my grandmother used to make a coconut cake. And my mom, who's not much of a baker or a cook, she lovingly figured out how to make the coconut cake. And that was really her big contribution to Thanksgiving. And you know me, I'm not a big sweet person either. But I tell you what, I had a big old piece of that coconut cake and I (laughs) loved every single minute of it. I think that food is so attached as well to a lot of our feelings about people. And the more that we can bring those types of things in, the the more that we can feel like those people are with us again. Yeah. Yeah. Steph, could you tell about speaking of more food? We're just, this is like a food episode. <laughs> so if you're hungry listening to this, we're yeah, sorry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but Steph, could you tell about the time when you taught or like you, and we all kind of knew how you made guacamole, oh, but yeah. like the sister conversation after Mason and dad stuff. Yeah. For those of you guys who don't know, there's four of us sisters and Angela and our other sister, Jenna, they share the same mom and I share the same mom with our sister, Allison. And all of us kind of live, you know, far away from each other. So we wanted to start figuring out reasons to get on Zoom and hang out, not necessarily just drinking wine and telling sob stories and feeling sorry for ourselves, but we wanted to kind of do something that that maybe meant something to all of us. And everyone says I have great guacamole and make you guacamole. Do. So we said, let's make guacamole together. So I sent everyone a list of what to buy. Mm-hmm. And we all made guacamole. And that was really, really fun. And the hard part is that I don't really measure. So it was good that you guys got to watch me do it because... When people say, how do you make your guacamole? I'm like, well, a little of this and a little of that and a little of shredded lettuce and and whatnot. Sorry for people out there, too, who hate shredded lettuce in their guacamole. But that is one of my secret ingredients. And I feel like we should put this in the show notes. But the, that's but the list that you're going to get, people, is a little bit of this. And a little bit of this. It absolutely is. But I was just going to say, all right, listeners, well, we are going to try to keep to the subject a little bit. And in a minute, we're going to be diving into our list. We do have a list today to keep us on track of five things you can do right now to find relief in your grief this holiday season. And I'm excited to share with you some ideas we have. We've really tried to think outside the box on this. I feel like, though, that the guacamole thing is an idea. And so even what I'm what I'm saying about this is 
even if like it's not guacamole or whatever, and maybe you're not doing it with other family members, but part of building something new or doing something on a, on a holiday that will just make you happy when you're because you're trying to move through grief could be just getting some friends on Zoom and making something together that you love or that you've never made before and talking together. For us that night, we talked about dad and Mason and their lives and what they meant to us and our sisterhood and all this stuff over our guacamole. So it was incredible. The other thing that I wanted to, I just like, Steph, I wanted to touch on something before we go specifically to our five list. I know we need to, we want, we have five things and we're going to share them, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit, if you have any thoughts on people who are, who have just recently experienced divorce or a breakup and they are trying to get through this holiday season either this next holiday season and depending on when you're listening to this i mean it could be an anniversary a birthday christmas new year's valentine's day all of the things <laughs> do you have any advice for people who are are trying to get through an anniversary or holiday for the first time without someone that they're really used to spending this time with yeah, yeah. You said earlier in the podcast that sometimes there's more than one empty chair. And I think for so many people, first of all, I want to acknowledge that oftentimes when there's a death or a divorce or breakup, there's a family rift that also ripples, like it's a ripple effect that happens or a snowball effect. Sometimes during these holiday times or birthdays or whatever, you're dealing with more than one empty chair and the mm -hmm. grief can be really different for each one. Yes. And this is such a common issue. And this actually was, was an issue that I personally struggled with after I had my losses. I had really, really close friends of mine, for whatever reason, pull away from me, whether, who knows, whether they just couldn't handle me didn't know how to talk to me didn't know how to come, come into my grief with me or listen and hold space or they were mm -hmm. dealing with their own things mm -hmm. maybe it was too hard i don't know a couple of things that really come to mind when you're losing someone or or losing someone that used to hold space with you due to a divorce or breakup specifically is working on finding those new traditions and even if it's something very small, like watching a movie or going to the movies with someone, I find and found when I was going through my divorce, this came to mind for me because I, I didn't have a, a lot of friends at the time. I'd spent a lot of time being married. And so I reached out to people and just said, hey, do you want to go to the movies? Yeah. It was holding space with me, but we didn't have to have a big conversation. Right now, it wasn't like, let's go out to dinner and hash it out. Or you can listen to me tell my sob story. It was like, let's go to the movies together. Or oh, that's so good. Because you can like talk for eight minutes while you're getting tickets. <laughs> and then you don't have to talk for the next two hours. It's yeah, but, but you're still sitting, you know, you're you're sitting with yeah. some. It's like literally holding space and find a movie that's funny or or that takes you away for a minute. Yeah, I mean, and you could even go to the movies alone, right? Like if you feel like, I'm not in a space to be able to invite someone else yet because I'm just calling. I mean, if you have recently lost someone, divorce, breakup, and you just can't even like see other people, you can go to a movie theater. Thank God now that the pandemic has lifted. Yes. You could go to the movies and you're still surrounded by other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're not alone in that yeah. space. 
but yeah. you get to go to another world. I love this idea. I, I do too. And, and you know, it takes you out of your house. It takes you to yeah. a place where you can eat yummy food if you want to. These yeah. days there's restaurants in the movie theater. And, yeah, I love those. You know, and you could, or have a dessert or whatever you want to do. And it does, it takes your mind off of things and it gives you a new perspective and, and just, just, yeah, just like when, you know, when I was younger, I never thought about going to the movies, but man, sometimes if you just want to get away from people, like that's a great, like, then you're not just sitting in your car driving around in circles, mm -hmm. like go to the mm -hmm. movies, you know, and yep. we went to the movies the other day, actually. And I saw two people in there that were sitting by themselves and, and I used to like, feel like, oh, poor thing. She's hit the movies by herself. But you know what? She might have four kids and a husband at home and she's like, I'm going to the movies or whatever the case is. And yeah, that brings me to another couple of ideas is like making a new dessert or a new recipe. Oftentimes mm. because food, I think here we are food again, because <laughs> food does remind us of people. And if we're like, I can't even make this thing anymore because it reminds me of so-and-so. Yeah come up with a couple of new recipes that mm -hmm. are your own. And this is no plug to HelloFresh. <laughs> maybe, maybe, however, they should sponsor us. Yes. Um, but I love HelloFresh and it, it takes all the guesswork out of cooking. And oh my God, it's, it's been the greatest gift. You gave Steph, introduced me to HelloFresh and now I'm also obsessed because I am, I'm, I'm learning how to cook all these things I've never cooked before. And it's so fun to pick out your meals mm -hmm. and you're like, Ooh, and then like every time the box comes, I feel like it's like Christmas morning. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's a, it's a great way to send yourself a, a gift every week. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then one other thing is just a dance party, whether you know how to dance, love to dance or love music, you can do it by yourself. If you have kids or you have kids in your family, you have nephews or nieces or friends, kids, kids are really, really great at pulling you out of, yes. you know, a really difficult time. And when they know that you want to have fun, forget it. Like they're like, yep. this girl's about fun today. And, <laughs> and, and so pick up a youngster and say like, let's go to the movies or let's go to my house and bake cookies and, and let's have a dance party. Like I need you to make me feel better. Uh, the kids are really great for that. The last thing I'll say is just, and, and this one's a little bit more serious, I guess you could say, is just ditch the guilt and regret. Mm. Because as we said, I think the other day too, in, in one of our book reviews is avoid trying to get sucked back into your memories of what it used to be and start kind of trying to make new memories. For those of you guys who are like really, really new in your grief, I realize that some of these things, it's like, seriously, coach, Steph, how do, how do I actually do this? I'm, I'm laying in bed. I haven't changed my clothes in three days. I haven't brushed my teeth. How do you expect me to have a dance party? Let's reel it back a little bit and just have you understand that We've been here for six years. We're still in the midst of our grief stories and we will be for the rest of our lives. I call it my cement backpack that I'll wear forever. But what we hope that we're showing you is that there is a little bit of light this time of year. If you are open to maybe trying one of these things, 
mm-hmm. even if it's door dashing cookie dough and making chocolate chip cookies and and you haven't done that in a while and you haven't dipped a chocolate chip cookie in a glass of milk just try that mm-hmm. that's right it it just it can just be it's about being open to just maybe one small thing that you're going to try. And maybe that openness is to what Coach Steph just said, which is ditch the guilt and regret. (laughs) Maybe you just start with, I'm going to focus on trying my best to release and let go. And every time that regret or guilt comes up for me, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to surrender it. And I'm going to be like, I'm laying this down figuratively and literally like I am I'm pretending like it's in my hands and I'm like here's the guilt that I'm holding and I'm gonna literally lay it down lay it down you know and it's like you just that's your mantra like all throughout the holidays or this season is like I'm gonna lay down this guilt and this regret and that's one simple way that you can honor yourself and the grieving process that you're going through is that that's all this whole this whole episode is just to inviting you to find like one small way to get a little bit of relief in this holiday season. Some of the things that I've done too, like post-divorce that have been really helpful for me. I'm two years post-divorce at at the time of this recording. And it's been really hard for me to talk about this publicly. And there's just not a lot to say for me about it other than I got divorced. (laughs) And so I don't really want to focus on anything like prior to that. I really want to focus on myself and how I've grown in the last two years and like what my grief process will look like. But one thing that I've done and I know other people have done too is just to be try to be really intentional. Like if you know that a day is coming for you. So if like if you're where Steph just talked about, like if you're in, you know, a couple weeks out, then just try to ditch the guilt and regret. And that's it. If you're like more of a year from divorce or a breakup, you know, something that you might consider doing is reaching out to one or a few other people before a holiday if you don't have anyone to hang out with and saying, like, can I join? Um, I'm reaching out, for example, New Year's Eve. Like, I'm reaching out because I'd love to not be alone on New Year's Eve. And it would be so, I would be so grateful if we could plan something or if I could join something that you're planning. Mm. And that, that does take, it takes brave people. And I know, I know that I'm asking you to be brave, but I want to say, I think you're braver than you think. Yes. Yes. And I also want to say that more people want to help us than we know. And on the other side of divorce, I have found people to be far more compassionate and understanding than I ever dreamed. Mm. And so it's really been, it's really like 98 to two. Like I can think of a couple people that it was really hard for them to deal with my divorce. And I had to just say gently, if you can't support me, I can't engage in further conversation because I'm already hurting enough. Yeah. But most of like 98% of the people that I have shared this with and I've reached out to, it's just been 100% support and encouragement. And so I encourage you, reach out to someone or a few someones and say, could we plan? Could I plan something for us to do? Or if you've already planned something or can we plan something together? Or if you're already doing something, can I join you? And and if they say no, then try a couple of other people. And just putting yourself out there, it can be a real gift to see how people reach back to you. Another thing is that is this that you could do something just wildly different than you would ever do on that holiday mm-hmm. or on the anniversary. So, for example, one year I went camping on Thanksgiving. 
those two things don't go together for a lot of people. You think of Thanksgiving as like a really beautifully decorated table and a bunch of like things coming out of the oven and all this stuff. And so on one Thanksgiving, it was like, let's do the exact opposite. And we're just, you know, so let's do camping in the woods. So maybe you take a holiday and you flip it on its head. And then the last thing is like sort of tip that I have is on Valentine's Day, after I got divorced, I threw a Galentine's dinner and I took so much joy in it. I had like several of my closest girlfriends over and I decorated the table and I had chocolates all over it. And I made filet mignon for all my girls. Yes, I did. Wow. And I know we lit candles and we had this like really fun playlist going and it was awesome. And it was a beautiful night. And so, and I had flowers, like roses on the table and all this good stuff. Mm. So sometimes you can do for others what you wish someone was doing for you. And it can be a gift to both of you. Mm. I really like, you know, do for others. I I remember I'll just invite people over as hard as it is. Mm. And then just say, can everybody bring something? Like, let's get together. And, And even if it's two people, three people, one person, People do really want to help and they just don't know how. And I realized that over the last few years, you know, it does tend to be more so people who've maybe never experienced a really serious loss. And I used to be that person before I had my serious losses. I couldn't resonate or understand when someone told me that they had lost someone in their life. Like I'd I'd never experienced that. It's certainly not at the level that I did. And so it, it's almost like, not that I'm trying to teach people something, but these people, sometimes they just don't know how to help you. And and once you have a couple of ideas from us, you can you can be a little bit bolder to reach out, knowing that for the most part, people in your life really do want to help. And they're just looking for ideas too. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. That and, is so true. Yeah. So, all right, so let's transition into our list of things we can do right now to help you find relief in holiday grief. Shall we move on? <laughs> yes, I feel like we've given lots and lots of ideas, but now yes. we're going to get really, really, really concrete about five things that I think apply to anyone who's feeling holiday grief, yes. like the empty chair grief, right? Yes, for sure. You'd start with number one. Okay, so number one, reduce unnecessary stress reduce unnecessary stress. The holiday season can bring additional stress to our lives. So it's super important to be aware of your limitations so you don't overextend yourself. We are inviting you to try to limit social and family commitments to suit your available energy. And so we encourage you as a holiday is coming up or an anniversary, reevaluate your priorities. Think about the day. Try to like take it, put the day in your mind. Think through all the things that you would normally do and then take away seven eighths of that (laughs) (laughs) or maybe, you know, or half of it at least. Yeah. Literally. And just say, these are the like, this is the one to three things that like I can at this moment in time that I'm going to commit to for this day. We're inviting you to think less is more with this first thing, because you can always add later if you fill up to it. Like if on the day of you're like, you know what, I want to go to the store and make a coconut cake. And I didn't know I was going to, you you could do that. Mm -hmm. I want to go to the movies on this day. I want to, I want to have a dance party and I, I wasn't planning on it, but you could always add, but it's harder on that day 
to then create a boundary like last minute with people because if people are expecting you to do something, it's harder, right? To get out of things than to add things. So we encourage you to start with just like a couple of things that you are, okay, when I think about this holiday, this is the one thing or these are the couple of things that I really do think are me- like mean something to me and would be good for me to do on this day. There's a tendency to think that keeping busy can distract us from our grief in a good way. But really, like while that might, we might do that like temporarily at some like point, grief finds us, y'all. Just like joy finds us, grief finds us. It might actually increase your stress in the long run if you try to A, stay busy on that holiday or just keep avoiding your grief. So we invite you today. Think through the day and give yourself time. Not not so think through the day, imagine it in your mind and try to just pick one or two things that you definitely want to commit to. And then give yourself space and time the rest of the day to be alone, to move your body, you know, like taking a 10-minute walk or doing yoga or a stability bike or a 10-minute stroll, eat a good meal, and to cry if you want to. Like you can actually like intentionally put into that day. You can reduce unnecessary stress by being like, you know what? I have planned to cry from two o'clock to three o'clock on this day. (laughs) You know, that could be helpful to us. Like, I'm going to get through this lunch and then I'm going to go cry by myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then feel free, finally, to make a very strong boundary to manage the expectations of other people. So, for example, when you commit to something, one thing that we've done a lot in our family is make Christmas candy. For example, like I might say something this year, like I am hoping to meet up with you on Christmas or three days before Christmas and make Christmas candy. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not feeling up to it, I will text you and let you know. I love that so much because as we said earlier, it's like that that guilt or regret. Like if we're used to being the person who hosted Say, mm-hmm. for example, the candy making day or the cookie yeah. making. I, I was the person who was a lot of times the organizer in family and friend gatherings. And so I did scale back, but I felt guilty. I'm like, if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Well, so what? For this season yeah. and this year, do what works for you because it will come around again. And at that time, you. you can yeah. decide later. Yeah. And so you can say to people, like, I'm hoping to do fill in the blank, but I will text you on the day and let you know if I can actually do this thing, depending on how I'm feeling. Right. And you don't have to explain yourself to that person. You don't need to over explain. You don't have to defend yourself. And if they get frustrated about your boundary, you can say, I can tell that this is is hard for you to hear. And so I'm going to give you some time to reflect on what I'm saying and we can talk later. Or you can say, I'm sorry that this is uncomfortable for you. It's uncomfortable for me too, but this is what I need to do for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like managing people's expectations and creating a boundary and holding it, which really is a help to both of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Steph, did you want to do number two? Yes. Yes. So we talked all day today about an empty chair and maybe that's an uncomfortable feeling for people to think that there's a space there that's either empty or that you're just focused on the fact that someone is missing. And so I would invite you to maybe choose a candle or a light of some sort or even 
to be placed at the table or around the house as a remembrance. For me, someone gave me, I think it was a, a friend of my mom's, made a lamp out of a mason jar, one of the bigger ones. And it sits next to my dining room table and my kind of kitchen dining room area. And when I'm missing Mason or we're having dinner sometimes, or maybe I have a party planned or get together, I often light that lamp. And when we're eating or making dinner, it's there. When I have guests over, it's there. Do I tell people that's Mason over there? And that lamp? No, but it's my personal and subtle reminder that he's on my mind and that he's with us. And so I invite you to maybe consider something that represents them in your own personal way. Because when I glance over at that light, I think of him and smile that, that because it's lit, that somehow, some way he, he, he's recognizing that we miss him and he's there. Yeah, it's beautiful. And so there's an invitation there that's very much like, if you want to tell people this is what it is, you can. And, and, and if not, it can just between, be between you and the lamp. Mm-hmm. But not it's between you and the lamp in the world, but that exactly. we're sharing this with. <laughs> I love but it. But we love it. I love it. And number three is journaling. And so some of you may already have a journal that you use on a regular basis. Or, but if not, like you could actually buy a journal before your next holiday and you could just kind of, it could be like, you could have also the little note ones that like, they're like little memo note journals that are, are really thin and they can fit into your back pocket, or you could use the notes on your phone. And I encourage you on the holiday, whenever you're feeling something to explore it, to name that feeling, to talk about why am I feeling this way? So I'm feeling overwhelmed. And then to really try to explore that, like, why am I feeling overwhelmed? What has happened in the last hour that has made me feel overwhelmed? Or I'm feeling, I'm feeling regret or guilt, right? And so you say, okay, I want to lay this down, but first I want to explore this a little bit. Like, I'm feeling guilt because... I am feeling regret because, and then actively surrendering whatever is coming up for you to God, to the universe, right? And just giving it over and saying like, in writing, you know, I am laying this down. I am surrendering this feeling. I am letting this thing go. Or I'm saying this is too heavy for me to hold alone. Mm -hmm. You could also journal your hopes or your gratitudes. We're going to talk more in episode four about gateways to joy, but I'll just give a little teaser here. Gratitude and hope are two of them, and I'll talk more about them in the next episode. But you can actually just, when you're feeling uneasy or a bit of sadness, you know, maybe you take out your notes on your phone and pull up the notes, or you take out the little thing in your back pocket or the journal you brought with you, and you're like, I'm going to write down what I'm thankful for right now. Like, I'm going to look around this room and I'm going to think about three things in my life that I'm thankful for. And they could be very, very simple. Like, I am thankful for the way that the sunshine is streaming into this room right now. I am thankful that I'm wearing a cozy sweater. I am thankful that I have a fridge that is full. Mm -hmm. I am thankful when I flick on the light that it works, you know? Yeah. Just very simple things that can settle our hearts and our minds or hopes. 
And that's the last one that I'd encourage you. Maybe journal like today is not the way that I want it to be. Today is a hard day. I hope, fill in the blank. I hope that next year this. I hope next year that this day looks different in these ways. I hope next year that I feel different in these ways. You know, I hope next year that I do different things like this, blah, blah, blah. So we encourage you, number three, journal. Journal your feelings, your surrender, your gratitudes, and your hopes. Wow, so good. You know, I I will be the first to admit that I am not a dear diary type of person. And Dr. Angela is, <laughs> but I will say that when Mason passed away, I, there was something in me because I guess I coach women for a living. And I often would tell people, if you're struggling, start journaling. And for me, a journal has always been kind of my daytime book, my agenda book. So I, I kind of journal in that way and save them and can go back and look at them. I think I got that from my grandma because she was a, a list writer too. But I will say that what what I love the most about journaling, especially during the grief period, is I had such bad memory loss. And mm -hmm. so I've gone back at times when I've chosen to like, this is, this is my time to cry, so I'm going to pull out my journal. I would read where I was at at that time in my life. And mm -hmm. It made me really feel proud of how far I've come Wow, those yeah. days. And so journaling for yourself in the moment is really, really great, but also as a way of looking back to how far you've come, I think is really powerful part of journaling as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So number four. And this kind of comes back to the empty chair again, because some of you may actually want to leave a literal empty seat or the, the, the sweet little doggy bed, if you've lost your pet, a place to hold space for that person. Maybe even, you know, openly acknowledge that there's an empty space. I've seen people do this at weddings. Yeah. And even leave like a place card and a photo if that feels right for you, that's absolutely something to do. The other thing that, that I really think is really powerful is to consider inviting someone to join you during the holiday to honor your loved one, maybe a neighbor or someone from your place of worship or a coworker or friend. Maybe it's someone you know who's lost someone and have them come and sit in that space. And, you know, in this way, you can really show hospitality to someone else that may really need to hold space with people. And, and that person can be a tribute to your love. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love this idea. And you don't even have to tell that person, like, this is what I'm doing. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, You're you know, you don't have to. You're on you know, it's just like the today. lamp. <laughs> It's just like the lamp. It can just be there, you know, but you can just think to yourselves like, yeah, I know of this person at my work or at my worship. And also this like applies to us, right? As well. Right. Oh, just yeah. ignore, ignore everybody who wants to tell you what you should do for your holiday, <laughs> including coach Steph and me. Just ignore <laughs> people who want to tell you what you should do for the holiday. And yeah, we're not trying to tell anybody anything. Like we're saying these are just a bunch of options, but 
the moment that people are saying to you, like, well, you should, I mean, anytime they say the word should and you're grieving deeply and there's a holiday involved, feel free to immediately just turn off your ears. Right. And listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Trust yourself. You know yourself. You know what you need. You know what you want. If you'll give yourself enough silence to think about it, you'll know. Just do what works for you. That's, that is the main thing that's important is think through this day as it's coming and just do what works for you. And then communicate that with your family and friends with the boundary language that I was talking about earlier. Like, this is what I can do. And even then, if I cannot do not fill up to it, I will text you on this day. So you're just communicating what feels right to you. And if someone's telling you what you should do, you can also say to them, you know, a version of, I appreciate you trying to express care for me, but I'm not really looking for advice on what to do on this holiday. <laughs> That's just a, a boundary that you can draw. Like, I know what's best for me. And so we, we, we trust you to trust yourself. And remember, you are braver than you think. We all are braver than we think. And you're exactly right. Dr. Angela and Coach Steph are absolutely telling you to ignore people that are telling you what you should do. And that does include us. So if nothing else resonated with you today, as Dr. Angela said, ignore it all and do what you want. You know what I mean? As long as it's a safe thing, of course, we have to asterisk that and say, do something that is safe, that makes you feel good, that, you know, puts you in a mindset to start feeling a little bit better about how you're feeling and your emotions. And we just love you guys. We love being here. We love talking about this kind of stuff. We absolutely appreciate every single ear that takes the time to listen to our new podcast as we learn and grow together. I got to, I got to jump in too. Okay. Like, thank you. I just want to say thank you. I love that you're saying this because I'm with you. Like we are so, so grateful that you're joining us, that you're listening. And, and if you're a part of our Facebook group, please. And if you're not like you can jump in, you can, you can be a part of it. We would love for you to comment on in the group and let us know, like, how are you handling the holidays? What are you doing that's helpful or what's Mm -hmm. been helpful to you in the past? You know, share your knowledge with all of us. Yeah, for sure. We do want to mention too, we always tell people Italy should be called the Who Cares If You Read the Book book club. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Because we truly remember in those really, really dark times of grief, whether it be a weekend, a year out, whatever, that sometimes reading a book is actually impossible. Listening to a book may be a little bit more possible, but we understand that we have good intentions <laughs> to read books. Yeah. And the title looks amazing, but we don't always get to it. And that's what we love about our book reviews is it's more about the premise of what the book is rather than did you actually read every word? And we bring the questions and we bring the ideas. And so, right, we've got you, right? That's what we're trying to say. Yes, like, yes. No matter what, Coach Steph and I and our younger sister, Jenna, we will have read the book. Mm-hmm. And so we will come prepared with the main concepts of the book that we want, you know, and we'll say, this is the main concept that we want to talk about. And if you have read it, it'll be like a reminder to you like, oh, yeah, 
and, you know, talk about what you thought about it. But maybe you're hearing the concept for the first time and then you can still tell us what you think about it or in the group, you know. So, yes, it's a who cares if you've read the book club. It's a meetup. We have meetups every month or almost every month. And what we're trying to do is just create a space for people to share their lives with one another, talk together. And also, it's just like a book that we've read. Maybe you don't want to read it yourself, but you're like, I'd like to know a couple of good thoughts from that book. And so that'd be it'd be helpful for Coach Steph and Dr. Angela and Jenna like to help me understand the co- a couple concepts from this book. So yeah. I'm going to jump on and just, you know, hear what other people have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And we're good at giving the cliff notes. Sometimes right. that's all you really need, you know, it's like, tell me three awesome things you learned about this book and and I'll take it and run with it. So, yep. yeah. All right. So as we close today, you all will learn and quickly learn as you're listening to more and more of our podcasts, hopefully, that we always our guests um, one question at the very end. And that is, what is one way that Joy has found you recently? We had a guest on one of our earlier podcasts that we just recorded today say, you need swag that says, <laughs> that says something along that line, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to work on that. We're going to yeah. work by yes. Joy Swag. Yes, I, I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. All right, Ange, I'm going to let you start. What is one way that Joy has found you recently? Yeah, well, and I will say too that the next episode that we're doing, you'll understand why the heck do they talk about Joy so much? So we will, episode four, if you want to know more about joy, as I was saying earlier, especially why joy is possible in the midst of suffering, join us in the next episode. And I got to tell you guys, are y'all gals and guys and people and everyone who's listening, we have an incredible season of guests. You all, oh my goodness, the guests we have, you're just going to love it. Like keep listening. They're going to, their stories are so moving. What they say will inspire you, compel you, help you get out of bed, motivate you, help you feel so seen and less lonely. We really hope that you'll keep listening. It's it's awesome, right, Steph? I mean, just oh, in- I mean, first. ditto, ditto. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Joy, I really, really, so simply and so beautifully, I got a thank you note. I did a retreat recently. I led a, a weekend retreat for a church for like 300 people and the pastor of the, of the community wrote me a, just a gorgeous thank you note about my time at their community and what it meant to them and the thing is that I had walked away I wept in my car driving back from this retreat because I speak all over the country but this one happened to be within an hour of my house which was awesome so I I was driving back and I was just crying stuff because I was so overjoyed by what had happened and what I got to be a part of. It was such a meaningful weekend. And then to get a card and realize that they felt the same way was just awesome. So it brought me a lot of joy. It was awesome. What about you? How has joy found you recently? Gosh, I think I mentioned this in the book club too the other day, but it's worth repeating that I have a stepson and daughter-in-law who recently moved from, I live in Albuquerque. They moved to Austin and took our two beautiful grandbabies with us, uh, our two grandbaby girls. And so I've been missing them. That's a whole separate part of grief subject. But yeah, it is. It's a really good one. Yeah. yeah. When people move away that we love. Well, yeah. Yes. But they all came home for Thanksgiving and we still have my other stepson is here and my daughter who's in college came home. And 
The really cool thing about the fact that they moved away was that when they come back, they have to stay with us. And so my house was just filled with toys and noise and snotty noses and good food and lots of watching the Hallmark Channel and football and just really, really enjoying each other with with very intentional time and sitting around the fire pit out back and stuff like that. And it just brought me, it, it filled the space, right? Like it overflowed yes. my my. My empty chair space was overflowing with mm. with my family. So that's that's mine for this week. Mm. And it's just, I'm sure that six years ago, you couldn't have imagined that that would come out of your mouth, right? <laughs> I mean, absolutely not. So it is so true. I mean, we have people in the book club and support group on Facebook who are just literally in the in the throes of it saying like, how can I even make it through a day much yeah. less sound like us and believe me this is not we don't always sound this way <laughs> we don't no, always we don't right. always have good days but my hope is that the people out there see and this, it makes me emotional to say that there is a place in the future where you can find happiness yeah. that sneaks in yeah at the most unexpected times yes and that it's it's so wonderful to feel those good feels and that it will take time and we understand that and the cliche that time heals all wounds i i don't necessarily agree with but i will say that time allows enough space between the actual traumatic event and and your current state to hopefully have some space to really reflect on things and and not feel so broken different right it's it just feels different and we're going to talk about this in a few episodes we're going to talk about phase one of grief as opposed to the other phases of grief like later stages but Mm -hmm. that initial stage we'll describe and Steph's going to talk about in an episode her cement backpack more and explain what she means by that. And the thing is, like, you'll always carry that backpack, but you do carry it differently depending on the day and the year and and a million other things. Mm-hmm. And so that's the good news today is that it doesn't always feel the same. And, and it, it just it changes over time. And you can learn over time to hold both grief and joy at the same time. And that's what I hear in your voice. Like Steph is like, you have, you've allowed yourself to give yourself over to joy, realizing that you don't betray your love for Mason by loving your home full of your grandchildren and children on Thanksgiving Day. You can do both. You can love him audaciously and love all of them and love having them there and at the same time. Yes. Agreed. Family, thank you so much for listening today. We are so glad that you have given some of your time to be with us. If you have experienced loss of any kind, you may be feeling overwhelmed and stuck. We get it. That's why we created RISE. It is an engaging five-step journey that you can take at your own pace that will help you get on the road toward healing. 
It comes with videos and a companion guide and easy actions you can try each day to help you to find relief. To join the RISE journey, head to thegriefsisters.com or check out the link in today's show notes. Don't forget to head over to our website, thegriefsisters.com. We have a free gift for you. It's a five-day grief meditation audio track that helps you manage anxiety. It includes a 10-page printable journal that walks you through each of the five days and provides a way to help you track each day. You can also find another audio version of the grief meditation track on episode three of season one of our podcast. We are also currently working on a series of resources and small group opportunities that will be tackling various phases of grief. These breakthrough resources will help you take steps to find the motivation you need to move through grief at your own pace, but move forward nonetheless. So look for updates on our website for those launches soon. Also, please look for our Grief Sisters Book Club and support group on Facebook. And remember, it's a we don't care if you've read the book club. Join us anyway. All of the links will be available in the podcast descriptions. Thank you for joining us today, family. We are grateful to you and for you. Until next time, let's try to stay open to joy. Because seemingly, against all odds, no matter who you are or what your circumstances are, joy can always always find you.